0: Good morning, Gold Avenue Church family and friends. Blessings on this Resurrection Day. We're going to be looking at the story from John chapter 20, and I'd like to invite you to pray with me as we begin. Our gracious Father, our wonderful Savior, blessed Holy Spirit, we pray that you would Give us ears to hear what your Holy Spirit would say through your word this morning. Lord, would you help our minds to be um, imaginative by the work of your Holy Spirit, to be able to picture and to think about what it looked like, what it felt like, what it um, smelled like, what it seemed like um, on that day, that resurrection day. And so we pray that you would empower me in the preaching of your word, empower us in the hearing and responding to your word. For your glory, we pray. Amen. So we started the song of preparation with these words. Do you feel the world is broken? We do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? We do. And I think that those lyrics written before this COVID virus hit the world um, are certainly appropriate for this time as we regularly are watching the news reports of how many cases are there currently, how many presumptive positives, how many deaths, how many people have um, recovered from this virus. We hear reports and we know that stress Is up for people and that loneliness is impacting people and unemployment and financial concerns and so do we feel the shadows deepen yes we do and then the lyrics say but do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through and together we say we do and do you wish that you could see all things made new we do and we will as we look at this story The story of the first Easter morning. It starts in brokenness and shadows. Join me. It's early. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen laying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means my teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord! And she told them that he had said these things to her. Friends, this story begins with Mary. Mary, who gets up early while it's still dark and goes to the tomb where Jesus had been buried after his horrible, horrible crucifixion on the cross. And we wonder, maybe we wonder, who is this Mary? Or remind me again of who this Mary is. And she's referred to from Luke chapter 8. She was one of the women who supported the ministry of Jesus and the disciples. She went around with other women, following with the disciples, listening to the teachings of Jesus. And she put her money where her heart was. And she supported Jesus' ministry. And so why is she crying? Well, the Gospel of John is very specific and more unique than some of the other Gospels in that it really focuses on relationships and union with Christ. And so we see in the crying this deep grieving over the lost relationship of Mary with Jesus at his death. What had Jesus done for Mary? Well, he had cured her. It says in um, Luke 8 that he had cured her and the other women. Um, Mary, he had cured of seven demons. And so he had done a tremendous amount of good in Mary's life. It doesn't describe the kind of life that she lived before she was cured. But we know that people who are oppressed by demons... They struggle with things like thoughts of accusation and condemnation, and so a life of being, like, tormented in her thoughts about who she was, about how unworthy she was, about how um, probably she struggled with thoughts of insecurity, and <clears throat> who knows what kind of tormenting thoughts that um, she must have struggled with before she had been cured. By Jesus. And so she's grieving. It tells us this. That she was weeping in verse 11. And then again in verse 13. The angels ask her. Woman why are you crying? And then. Jesus who is. um, She perceives as the gardener. asks her. Why are you crying? And I notice in this. That they don't shush her. You know, so many of us have grown up in more of a stoic environment where emotions aren't welcome. And they don't tell her, stop crying. They ask her, why are you crying? And crying is such a healthy release. It's a healthy emotional response to grief. And she's weeping. This says she's crying and or she wept. And this word really means that she was wailing. That she was having what one of my friends calls an ugly cry. You know, the kind where you can hardly get your breath. You're sobbing so hard, snots coming out your nose. You don't even care because it just this incredible emotion is built up and she's wailing and she's crying. And they ask her, why are you crying? They invite her to name it. And what does she name? She names that the Lord is missing, and she says, "Um, if you've moved him, just tell me where he is, and I'll go get him. There's this deep, deep longing to be reconnected, even if it's only to his dead body, but she just wants to be with Jesus. And this looking, she was looking into the tomb, and she was looking And um, even that is the intensity of looking deeply, looking um, almost piercingly into a situation, trying to see. And don't you know, when we go through experiences of death, oh, that we long to just see one more time that person, just see that person's face, just hear their voice. And Jesus asked, Who is it you are looking for? And certainly who she was looking for was the one who had embodied the kingdom. She was looking for that one who had walked in such authority and taught in such authority. And the one who had started to usher in the kingdom of God, he announced the kingdom is here. The kingdom is near. And she started to see things set right. All creation is groaning because of the effects of sin. And she saw Jesus start to cure diseases and relieve people of demons and um, bring peace and order. Who is it you're looking for? She was looking for Jesus. And the scripture tells us, seek and you will find, ask and you will knock. If you seek me, you'll find me if you seek me with all of your heart. And while she didn't recognize Jesus at first, suddenly he says her name, Mary. All she had to hear was his voice, call her name. And it revealed his presence, his living presence. And suddenly, hope was restored and he says go and tell them go tell the disciples i'm ascending to my father and your father to my god and your god there's a relationship that's possible not only with jesus but with the father because of what jesus had done on that cross taking the payment for our sins And being resurrected, he wins the victory. And when she hears him call her name, suddenly she cries out, My teacher, my teacher, there's this relationship. You're mine. You're my teacher. And she holds on to him. I imagine it was just such a reflex that she just grabs out because isn't that something that we're all missing right now is the ability to reach out and shake hands, reach out and hug. And she holds on to him and then she goes and she witnesses to others and she says, I have seen the Lord. The day had started out in darkness and despair and suddenly there is living hope. Jesus is alive. Everything changes. Suddenly her tears become joy. The thought of death is no longer something that has to be feared because suddenly there is life. Despair changes into hope. And I want to tell you, friends, that this resurrection, which actually the resurrection story in the Gospels gets more space, more paragraphs, more verses than even the crucifixion because the bodily resurrection of Jesus is so very important. And I want to tell you these three gifts that are given when the resurrection happens. The first is that we share in his righteousness because God laid on him the iniquities of us all, it tells us in Isaiah. Then suddenly because Jesus took on our sin and he paid the penalty for our sin, then we are granted his righteousness. The Father sees us through the righteousness of Jesus. And so we share in Jesus' righteousness. That's the first Easter gift. The second one is because now, because of resurrection, we can enter, all that believe in Jesus, can enter into a new resurrected life, not just when we die and are raised from the dead, but actually we start this resurrection life now. Because of the Holy Spirit that Jesus would send to his disciples, we have that same resurrection power living in us, Christ's very spirit. And then third, the Easter gift that comes through the resurrection is a guarantee of our glorious resurrection. That when we die, um, unless Jesus comes back first, When a believer dies, we will be reunited with our soul and spirit, our body will, and we will come out of these graves and we will be entered into this new creation that he's going to usher in. These are our three Easter gifts that come because Jesus was bodily resurrected. How does this story impact us we just heard these wonderful three easter gifts but how does it impact us in our day-to-day life what can we learn from the story of mary at the tomb interacting looking for jesus and then encountering the living lord well i want to say that i think that we can learn about grief and about our losses because god invites and welcomes our tears He actually gifts them to us. God also invites us to name our pain. And so while we often, I think, have thought about Resurrection Sunday and Easter Sunday is um, all joy and daffodils and um, colorful new clothes and going to church and singing um, really charged up praise songs, which... All of that is good and fitting, but it leaves out the part of where Resurrection Sunday started, which was in tears and in raw expressions of desire for Jesus and to bring our pain and to bring our tears and to name them, whatever they are. And certainly there's many that are going through very difficult situations, or your family members are going through very difficult situations. And today on Resurrection Sunday, Jesus doesn't shut those down and tell us not to cry. He says, why are you crying? I think another thing that this message does, and the phrase that stuck out to me from verse 15 Who is it you're looking for? And I think the Lord would look at us today and say, What are you looking for? Who are you looking for? Are you looking for me in this circumstance? As we look at whatever is going on in our lives, happy, sad, neutral, are we looking for him today? Do we have that same passion for God's presence? Are we pursuing Jesus with the same intensity that Mary went to the grave to look for him that day? And then I think finally, we view, as believers, we view every situation that we encounter not through the lens of dashed hope. But we look through it through the lens of a living hope because we never have to look at a situation wondering if Jesus is alive or not like Mary did. But we know based on the truth of scripture and the countless witnesses that saw Jesus resurrected after his death that we have a living hope. And that we never have to be concerned that god's kingdom has come to an end we know that jesus was resurrected and so we view every situation as difficult and painful as it is knowing that we have a living savior who's willing to meet with us right in that spot of pain or difficulty and remind us of the hope of the new creation And that he will be setting all things right. We view it through these hopes of Easter. Of knowing that we have been counted righteous. That we have a resurrected Jesus who sent his spirit to give us new life now. And that even if we do succumb to death, and most of us will, I imagine, unless Jesus comes back first... We even look towards the grave in a different way because we know that's not the end game. That's not where we're staying. Friends, I spent time at the cemetery several, I I went up to the cemetery several times this week and sat. I walked around and I looked at markers. I saw some from the 1800s, mother, father, father. I saw some that had lived long lives. I saw others who had only lived days, maybe months. And I did a lot of reflecting. I thought about what it feels like to be at the cemetery. I never imagined that I would go and spend time at the cemetery to prepare for this sermon. But I just kept feeling the nudge to go to the cemetery, go to the cemetery. And as I walked around, I thought, well, maybe the Lord wants me to record this Easter message from the cemetery and I took my phone and I was ready to record it but you know what I realized I can't preach to dead people they won't hear this and then I started to imagine that someday every single one of those tombs is going to be empty just like Jesus was empty and these people are going to be reunited with their soul and spirit and their body and they're going to face Jesus and I wondered how many people that are buried up there at the cemetery know Jesus as my Robonite, my teacher, my savior, my God. Oh, I pray that they all do. But I realized it's too late once they're in the grave. And I thought, this is why it's so important. This is why he said to Mary, go and tell my disciples that I'm ascending to my God and your God, my Father and your Father. And friends, we have that same hope that we can share with the world around us, and we can do it before it's too late. That every person could have the hope of knowing that there is a living Lord While Easter morning started in brokenness and shadows, it soon changed to bright, bright victory. Jesus is our risen King, and we have such hope in that knowledge and such hope to share with the world. He alone is our living hope. Thanks be to God on this Resurrection Sunday. Let's pray. Our gracious God, we thank you that you raised Jesus from the dead and that you offer us these Easter gifts in his resurrection. Lord, we're grateful just like Mary was grateful. Lord, we want to serve you. We want to tell others about you. This good news. And Lord, I pray that even as we reflect today, that you would take this truth more deeply into our hearts and into our minds. And Lord, would you help us to look at every situation that we face and frame it in the living hope that we have in our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. And Lord, if there's anyone that is listening to this message and doesn't yet know that Jesus is their Lord and Savior, God, I pray that you would help them to reach out today and to take a hold of that truth and to just acknowledge they need a Savior, they've sinned. And Lord, even now, I just pray, um, thank you, Lord, that you sent Jesus to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so, Lord, thank you again for the gift of salvation And we receive that gift afresh today. And we pray that you would work your new life in our hearts and in our minds. And would you give us and assure us of that sure hope that we have in you. Because we trust and we put our trust and our belief in Jesus alone. And all God's people said, Amen.